0: Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, the weekly podcast featuring conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and fostering in a new era of social progress. We want you to listen, connect,
1: and grow with us. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. I really failed because I had no confidence in myself because it was a bigger game. And I was like, you know, people don't really want to work with me. They're just being nice and polite. Yeah. You know, why would anybody want to work with a black gay man, you yeah. know? And so I just very, um, I felt completely alone, disempowered, and being a black man in Australia, it was like, I can't fail. I'm an ambassador for all black people. I will not fail. And so I never really got to share what I was really dealing with. So when people asked me, are you okay? Absolutely. Those are the enlightening words of Rogare Gomo, founder and executive
0: director of the Gomo Foundation. A short bit of housekeeping and we'll get right back to Rugare. This week, I'm thrilled to welcome Judy and Jules to our fast-growing Patreon family of supporters, including Sally, McCartan, Stuart, Joel, Misha, Times Two, Bonnie, Olivia, Lyndon, Joe B, and Will. A big thank you to our wonderful Patreon family. Your support helps us to keep posting up quality content each and every week. If you want to join our Patreon community and support the growth of Humans of Purpose, just hit the link in our show notes or head to Patreon.com/slash Humans of Purpose. For just $4 per month, you can help us grow the podcast and ensure our sustainability well into the future. You can also get some amazing exclusive merch on SignUp, which is valued at about five months of your support. Sounds like a no-brainer to me. Another way to support the show is to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. This helps others find out about the show, and from time to time, I do read these out when they come in. Today, I'm speaking with Rugare Gomo, Founder and Executive Director of the Gomo Foundation. Rugare is also a high-performance business coach. His focus is on empowering people to live wondrous lives and create extraordinary businesses. I really enjoyed our conversation. I think you'll enjoy it too.
1: So, terrific to have you here, Rugare. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. I'm so excited to be with you today. Oh, it's
0: very exciting. And and, um, it's my first parental referral into the podcast, which is equally exciting.
1: (laughs) Ooh, go, mom. <laughs> go mom. Go mom. <laughs> Just finding humans of purpose guests everywhere
0: where possible. So Great. go team. Um, I would love to hear a bit about your journey into what you do today, as I'm sure our audience would. So take us way back uh, to whatever you're prepared to go Ooh, that far back.
1: Post birth <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. is good. So a little bit about myself. Yes. My name is Rugare and you might be wondering where that is from. So I'm originally from Zimbabwe. That's where I grew up um and i grew up in a family that um, you know my mom and my dad actually used their life to make a difference to people's lives so my mom was one of the first women in zimbabwe to do hiv aids education in the early 90s um in a country you know where talking about sex um hiv and all of that was not very common and specifically for a woman and my dad has used his life for youth leadership programs so my my upbringing was this melting pot of you know making a difference in the community so if we're going to make a film about you it'd be called born to do this (laughs) directed by mike (laughs) if you please So that was the context of you know growing up in Zimbabwe. Mm. So what that looked like is from time to time you'd had people from different parts of the world come to our family home and stay with us. We'd have, you know, people from Australia, the UK, the US um come and stay with us. So I didn't grow up in a wealthy family, as you can imagine. Um, being a social worker is not a high paying job, but my mum and dad had huge hearts. So that gave me exposure to what other people's uh, lives were overseas and we always loved when the australians came to zimbabwe and our family home the australians were always um adventurous curious just like yourself mike yeah, so all mics just coming exactly to you your place. all mics well, why were so many australians coming to your place they really wanted to make a difference so you know they'd come and volunteer and work in the organizations that my mom and my dad were working in to make a world a better place really and that was really inspiring as well. And is that what got you thinking Australia might be correct to go? So then when I was 14 years old, I was like one day I want to go to Australia um, and my family would not have been able to afford for me to come to Australia so Um, In secret, I wrote a letter to one of those volunteers who I had known since I was five years old, and I made a request. I shared a vision of myself. I shared a vision of getting an education in Australia that I would not have had in Zimbabwe. Um, And, you know, for three months, I heard nothing. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. What is going on? Had you given up hope at that point? Um, I hadn't given up hope. So every day I was like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And then, just, of course, that's...
0: I picture you just going to the mailbox every
1: day. All the time. You know, being and the first to check in. <laughs> where's the
0: mailman? I can see the bike coming down the track. Assuming it's the same as you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm surprised my dad never asked any questions. Like, why am I so curious about what's happening in the mail? Yeah. And then, actually, nothing came in the mail. So then, one day, my dad comes home and he says to me, what's this about you going to Australia? He opened the mail? No, he'd got an email from Andrew. Really? and Andrew had actually sent an email so we didn't grow up with we didn't have um a computer mm. till I was what I don't know if it's maybe 15 years old mm. or no no dedicated internet at all so it was through my dad's work if we were going to receive any emails and my Andrew had actually responded to that letter via email and had said um uh, why not and he actually created that um he was going to go to different schools. He went to different schools, explained my situation, um, went to some of the, the government schools here in Melbourne, and they said, no, they couldn't give me a scholarship. And one of the private schools, Kingswood College in Box Hill, said, why not? We've never had um, a Zimbabwean school. Um, and they gave me a part scholarship. Um, Andrew paid for my school fees, my air ticket, oh my and God. also um, I lived in this place.
0: Wow, Andrew seems like a champion extraordinary human being. What bear. kind of human is Andrew? <laughs> Beyond extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> so like, this is uh, what kind of person just does this? So just that, goes to Africa that, and that, then decides to bring an African man into his house and pays for everything. It's th- incredible.
1: And that's the thing that really is why I do what I do and which, you know, we'll get into more mm. detail. So Andrew, just an everyday ordinary australian really small business called tendai travel at that time um he'd wake up at 6 a.m and go to bed at midnight but really work really hard in Mm -hmm. his business he was a foster carer so when i came to australia i was already looking after four um boys from traveled troubled backgrounds wow and you know he wasn't necessarily a wealthy person but he gave his word for me to have a, a life that i would not have had and he's his own funds and resources to make that happen. Jeez. That's mind-blowing.
0: And I guess for you, sort of that faith and belief in someone is sort of a key part of what you've become in your life. Correct. <laughs> so I'm excited to get to that part. Tell me about, so you get to Australia and yes. what comes
1: next? So oh, I, I do my year 11, year 12 year in Australia. And it's during the Zimbabwean crisis. So I came here in 2001. So the Zimbabwean crisis was actually starting um, to get worse, so there were land invasions. People were, you know, white farmers were being killed. Um, even the local people were being displaced from their own homes. Teachers were being taken out of the schools to follow demonstrations. You know, food. There was no food in the shops. Long pet- petrol queues. So the country was falling apart. Mm. Um, and when I finished year 12, it was like, what is going to happen to me now? Because it was either find a way to stay here in Australia or go back to Zimbabwe to nothing. Mm. Um, and the person you're talking to right now wasn't the person who arrived. I was shy. I to talk like this. Hello, my name is Rugari. You know, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. Was your English good? My English was good. Yep. So the thing that, thing that I did have was being able to speak English. But it was a whole new world. Coming to Australia, like there's plenty of food, there's dedicated internet, you have microwaves, dishwashers, washing machines. We didn't have any of that. We had all how, of that. What's that like? I mean, is that is that <laughs> weird for you? Is it like amazing? How does That's it amazing. feel? It was amazing. It's like, what? I don't have to hand wash my own clothes. I can put them in a washing machine <laughs> and that t- it's, it's great. <laughs> you know, dedicated internet. You mean that I can go online and mm-hmm. do my research at any time without paying? lots of money to do that like that was a whole new world and experience of life for myself so i had to actually discover a way to stay and go to University here. Um, And um, over the next six years, I raised over $120,000 to go to university. I call that my first capital raising experience. That's amazing. How do you, how do you, was that crowd or how do you raise that kind of money? So, you know, at that time, even the whole conversation of crowdsourcing didn't exist. I was
0: going to say, like, I'm pretty sure that's a newish thing. That's (laughs) very
1: new. And this is what we're in 2019. And, you know, this is around 2003. So, crowdfunding did not exist. This is pre everything, pre Facebook,
0: (laughs) pre Twitter, pre YouTube.
1: You know, most exactly. people today wouldn't do
0: anything on the internet if they mm. didn't have those things. So, mm.
1: and what it was that I had to break through was um, reaching out to people and being vulnerable mm. about what I was really dealing with to to fulfill on a life that, um, a life that was worthwhile for myself. So I had to communicate what I was dealing with. And I shared with people, you know, I shared with our parents at the school I was going to. I shared with people in my community and my community rose up and contributed thousands of dollars for me to get an education. And, you know, I would work, I also worked at that time when I came to Australia, I worked at McDonald's. So from the time I was 16 mm. years old mm. to, you know, 20, I worked at McDonald's. So every school holiday, you know, you'd, you'd see me waking up at 4am in the morning.
0: Such like a, like a funny, like... Everyone worked at McDonald's at some point.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's like one
0: of these seminal Australian experiences. Yes. Did you work at Maccas ever, Damien? No, I worked at Coles. Okay. <laughs> and you still work, you almost like recently work at Coles. It's mate, yeah. A different capacity, but it's it's kind of funny like if you took a slice of Australia and said, "Have you worked at either Coles, Safeway or Maccas or worth some Maccas?" It's probably something like outrageous like
1: 80% of people have been at one at y- one point in yeah. their youth. And that was also new for me because in Zimbabwe, you don't work and study at the same time. Because uh-huh. in Zimbabwe, it's highly competitive. At that time, you know, there were only two universities, Nast university, the University of Zimbabwe, for the whole country. Mm. So it's highly competitive. So all you do is study. Yeah. And coming to Australia, Um, There was this whole world of you study and work at the same time. Yeah,
0: I think it's like, it sounds to me like a bit more the Asian countries approach, whereas, you know, South Korea, like, you know, you go to school and then you go to post school school, you know, school for (laughs) tutors and different subjects. And it's all about the entrance exams.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and so that's what, that was what was ingrained with me. So I had to learn to study and work at the same time. Mm. But for me, I had to work doubly as hard because if I didn't raise my twenty thousand dollars a year, I'd be going back to Zimbabwe to nothing. Mm. So that having that vision of getting an education got me outside my limiting beliefs about myself because I had to then connect with people and be vulnerable. And how and did share. you how did you connect with people? So, um, <laughs> so. When I had somebody who would contribute to me, I was like, okay, they've contributed to me, and I had no there was no accountability. They're mm-hmm. not giving money to say if you get an A, mm-hmm. then we're going to continue to do that. So I was like, how am I going to appreciate and acknowledge the contribution that they have for me? Yeah. So then I created a newsletter. You know, every six months I'd actually. Um, acknowledge and thank them and yep. share with them my life. That's uh, so important. Very, very important. And it's something that I continuously do even today. So, and
0: when they did this, were they giving to, was the foundation set up at this point? No. So this, this is, is, how were they giving to you? Just like
1: as a in my, gift? In my Literally a gift into my bank account. Oh, okay, okay. One of my biggest sponsors, which contributed $25,000 over five years, wow, $5,000 would go into my bank account with no accountability. How does one
0: meet somebody who's prepared to give another person $25,000 the to do thing, their bank account? That
1: is the thing that was mind-blowing. Yep. And some of these people were strangers. Mm. So how my relationship with Australia is is the generosity of Australians to, to hear a vision and back me, mm. irrespective of the kind of results I was producing. Mm. It was overwhelming.
0: That's, that's incredible because I, I was going to sort of ask you about you know your views on whether Australia is a generous society by and large, and obviously Andrew, yes, is stands alone as you know a champion who's done great things. But there's debate in our society here about how generous we are. You know perceptions of generosity. Are we doing enough? We have very low aid
1: that we give. You know overseas. Mm. Um, what do you think? Um, well, if when I start looking at. People at an individual level versus at the government. I, in my view, I believe that Australians are very, very generous and how this shows up, you know, even just in my foundation, I had, um, my best friend sponsoring a girl and she wasn't making lots of money at that time, mm-hmm. but she supported a whole girl's education in Zimbabwe, you know, $1,200, you know, that she would contribute every, every year. And that's a big amount of money when you're in your, you know, your late twenties.
0: I think the average, um, donation, uh, by an Australian uh, this year, at least last yes. financial year, according to the tax office is something like $700. Mm. So that is a lot. I mean, you know, 1200 is significant. Um, but I think. Actually, it's not bad. I mean, that Australians are actually on average giving that amount. Yes. It might be maybe they want a deduction. Everyone's got some purpose behind it. Yes. But to choose to give to an individual is interesting to me because there's no obvious other incentive other than mm. to help that individual. And when you lack the transparency and accountability, it's just sort of saying like maybe it is a very Australian thing to say that person right there, that they seem amazing and lovely. I'm going to back them in to
1: succeed. Yes. And I think, you know, part of the Australian culture is, you know, having a fair go. Yeah. You know, and though it might not necessarily translate at a government level, like on an everyday basis, when people are connecting, like when you're with your mates and you hear that the, you need something, you you know, you're there to support. There's a really strong community. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I also find Be here, being in Australia, you know, I've got Italian friends, Jewish friends, Greek friends, and the strength of the community, you know, and to back each other in the community is really, really strong.
0: It's a, I mean, I think it helps us that we're a migrant nation very much. You know, it's sort of like um, what America might have been in the 1800s. Yes. It's you know what is it? 150 years old or something? Mm-hmm. In Australia. It's not. It's just not that old. So it's kind of fun that um, migrants help each other and minority groups help each other mm. because we all remember very closely the experience of being a migrant. We're all strangers to the land unless yes. you're an Aboriginal person. You came here by boat at some point, um, and we
1: we respect the humble beginnings and the and the fair go story to make your own life. Mm. It could be part of it Correct And you know You're talking about The conversation of generosity I think Australians are generous But And what the conversation is Is where should we be Using the money for Yeah Like that's I think that's where What is very unclear That's where most of the debate Is as well
0: For sure which social issue do we address and how? Correct. So, take me to university. You chose to do law?
1: So, yes. Yeah, so, I did an arts law degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really hard. <laughs> In short, <laughs> I was like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> but the vision really there was you know, a law degree is something, it's a toolkit. You know, for opportunities, and mm. that has that has actually really has translated in other areas of my life. So, you know, um, it was the opportunity to make social good, social difference. Um, that's how I saw it then when I started. Mm. It wasn't necessarily what you get trained in when you go to law school, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um, or when you start practicing at the beginning, yep.
0: And of course, you discover a fair bit about self during your university experience Ex- too, exactly.
1: So I loved it. It was a great experience, actually, being able to learn how to think, um, rational arguments, um, being able to respect other people's points of view. And that is something that I have with me for the rest of my life. You know, so I have that toolkit to really be a great great at analyzing. So that gives me in good stead as well, you know, as a high performance coach and as the founder of the Goma Foundation, Mm. you know, I'm able to go through things logically As well, and you know, state my case for action for the difference we wanted to make. And is it during university that you decide that you're going to set up the GOMO Foundation? No, this was actually then many years later. So, the GOMO Foundation, so at university, helping other people didn't even show up for me. Mm -hmm. I was in survival. So yep. I was Let's completely, That's that, the main that was, I, I was like, I had to first finish my university. Mm. It was hard. It's mm. like, you know, you're working already maybe 16 hour days mm. sometimes, and then you're going to university class, class mm. classes, you need to be present. So the last thing that was on my mind was helping others. It yep. was really getting, surviving yeah. and getting through this. You know, was the first thing. And, you know, after university, then I got the opportunity, um, to work for, um, a law firm, Maddox. And yep. um, they gave me an opportunity, which was also like, uh, did you do your articles there? Yeah, I did my articles there. Um, and I'd actually started working there when in my first year of university. Again, the power of community. Mm-hmm. And when I was in my first year, I was doing, I was doing criminal law and, Being Zimbabwean, for Zimbabweans, we love to just communicate what we're dealing with. So I was in my criminal law class of over a 100. I just shared, I said, does anybody live in Box Hill? Can give me a lift? And I thought that was normal. It wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody in my class said, yep, behind me. Um, I think it's great. Yeah. And then we formed this relationship where he would drive me for the next two years to school. That's great. And we, he um he, you know his father was working at maddox as a partner and it's like you he heard about my story and it's like um why didn't you come why didn't you boys come over and do work experience so i went and did work experience for 2 weeks in the mail room the debt um and the president department um and then i was like what it just for me it was it was amazing i'd never been in a law firm before yeah. so it was like wow this is like in the movies <laughs> and you know i was going to melbourne city for me you know living in box hill going to burwood was like for me going to go into the city yeah yeah and so it's just like i'm going to to the city, <laughs> Maddox, you know, you go into the reception area. You wear a nice suit. I was like, oh, my, yes. Yep. I was like, and yeah, I remember, you know, Bev gives me an orange juice. It's like, oh, my God, I'm being <laughs> taken care of. I even remember I, I, Bev gave me an orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens after that? Do you stick with yep. law or do you do something different? So um, I, I spent about three years practicing law and I had some amazing mentors. So during that time, I practiced as a property lawyer. And I got accepted into the property mentoring, um, council mentoring program. And my mentor at the time, Ross Hansen, when she heard me speak, she said, I know I'm meant to take your career to the next level in property, but nothing that's come out of your mouth has anything to do with that. You really want to make a difference and interested in business. So she had recently retired. She's in her own company. And so she used the next year um, on a discovery with me, mentoring me. And, um, I had this huge privilege of, um, getting to discover and reinvent my life. And so she introduced me to her network. You know, at first I thought maybe I want to be a property developer. Uh, maybe I need to do a MBA. So we, she introduced me to people, the business people and, mm. and decision makers. Um, and what it really came down to was that I was just really passionate in making a difference. And, um, I ended up working for, um, after that year, um, a company called Jusser. Giselle is an organization that had a vision of uh, leadership and management courses, but mm-hmm. learning from global leaders. So presidents, prime ministers, CEOs of fortune 500 companies. And I'd come in as their fourth employee and I was responsible for negotiating their deals here in Australia and around the world. But the thing that was very unique about Jusser was that they also had a foundation. Oh, in are you Africa. saying Jusser say like D-U-C-E? Yes. I mean, so the yes. Julia Gillard. Yes. 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 Okay. I know. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. I, I always,
0: I always just assumed it was pronounced Jusser. <laughs> Ducere. Ducere. Like yes. it's, it's, very, it's Latin. Yeah, there's like there's some lines above the letters. Yes. I don't know what's going on. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Go we say juicer okay, in the great, English, great. but your,
1: your pronunciation is the <laughs> authentic pronunciation. Look, I'm,
0: I'm happy to wear being wrong, but go, go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I had the privilege of then working, you know, uh, with Josh Lieberman, mm-hmm. um and his co-founder at the time. And when I joined them, I actually made a request that I be trained as a business person. And I said to them, I'd be your right-hand person. I'd go to all the meetings and um, I'd love to be trained to be a business person. Um, And that's practically what I did. I'd go to every single meeting, do all the follow-ups for them. um, And I negotiated all their deals um, here in Australia, Mauritius, the UK, the US. And that's how I learned to be a business person literally side by side seeing what they did the things that worked and the things that didn't work mm-hmm. as well so that was a huge opportunity and what I was connected to was that um, it was the difference that they were also making in the world it wasn't just about learn for knowledge in its sake, but also all these global leaders saw the opportunity of uh, the work that the foundation was doing on the African continent. Mm. They had created um, children's books, you know, from different countries. So they created a whole exchange uh, program where books written in Botswana got exchanged in Zambia or Mauritius. So African people could read books written by Africans, and a different context. And that was really amazing. You know, you, you're listening to me speak. And how I grew up is I grew up reading books from Shakespeare, Charles Dickens, you know, Jane Austen mm. books. So um, and very few of my own um, native books whatsoever. So this was really inspiring of the work, being able to capture um, our stories and then circulate them to the world. And that's what had me connected to that. And so for me, it was business and social good and social impact mixed together. I get that completely.
0: So that's where you hit the point of it's doing business with a clear purpose that has social good in it. And so it feels to me like those mentoring experiences where you're the mentee must have really shaped your view of that mentor-mentee relationship. And you start to think, can I you know, be that person to give that, you know, empowerment
1: and wisdom and whatnot. Correct. And, you know, many people go out in the world saying I'm self-made, you know, yes, I have, I do have success in my life, but I'm not self-made. The person you're talking to is I'm channeling hundreds and hundreds of people from the moment of my mom and my dad themselves, the values that they brought me up with. I'm channeling Andrew right now. I'm telling Ros Hansen, you know, people who were willing to interrupt the trajectory of my life and have straight conversation and have my back. You know, that has me be talking to you today because if that hadn't happened, the person that arrived in Australia was shy, quiet not comfortable in his own skin, discovering yeah. his sexuality.
0: Yeah, well, so you you're you also mentioned before our um we started that you had a bit to work through yourself. So <laughs> yes. what's what was that like, sort of the, the university story of uh, realizing your sexuality <laughs> and um,
1: becoming a bit more into your own skin? Take us through that. Yes. So, you know, I grew up in the Christian family and, and, and also growing up in Zimbabwe, there wasn't a, I didn't have a conversation of being gay. So I knew I was different, but I didn't have language for it for myself and then um uh in 2005 i remember when i'd come back from france it was weird when i was in france um men just kept on approaching me on the streets yeah. And wanting to go out on dates with me, and I'm like, what the is going on here? Like, is it? Do, am I walking with the sign that I'm I'm gay? What's going on? Because nobody would come and approach me in Australia. Nobody was approaching me in in, in Zimbabwe. So I was like, okay, I'm going to find, I'm going to explore that for myself when I get back to Australia. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> and part of the, the struggle was that If I were to choose that I was gay Then I'd have to question every single value That I'd been brought up with mm. And that was really scary Because of the traditional kind of family Christian, Correct. Zimbabwean values yes, yep. And you know, the values that I'd been raised with Was the thing that kept me safe So if mm. I'm to question the values that I have What I don't know what's going to be on the other side It's the unknown mm. And that's very human You know, when we question something And we don't know something We say it's too hard we we'll do that later. Yeah, you know, but I had reached crossroads where it was like I was I was forced to confront my sexuality, and I had no choice because people kept on approaching me, wanted to go out on dates with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to confront your sexuality. <laughs> and so,
0: was that once you were able to come to terms and I guess integrate that into your full person?
1: Yes. Is, does that kind of enable you to be a better Rugare in all ways? Completely, I'm free. Yeah. So even like the integration itself, you know, mm. my best friend and I, mm. Jess, when I came back from from France, um, and I remember sharing with her, I'm gay, and then she's like, I'm a lesbian, <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, we had no no idea. And I remember when I met her on my first day of school, I was like, she was, you know, she was the one raising her hands and she had great ideas, I'm like. That's a smart woman. That's a woman I'm going to get married to. Um Well, I, I call her my most successful relationship. We're not <laughs> married, but she's my best friend. Um And then I discovered that really the my, all my friends were gay and I had no idea. It was this whole blind spot for myself that I actually, you know... Did they know that they were gay? Yeah, they, they did know. Because I remember yeah. when I came back from France, one of my friends was like, Oh, and by the way... um uh, We've broken up. I've broken up with that girl, and I'm like, what are you talking about? First, I didn't know you're in a relationship. I didn't even know you're a lesbian. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, what? My, my entire world completely
0: altered. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, it, it says something to us about like how when we are just who we are in our essence, even we can not know things mm. but attract a certain type of um, friendship group or yes. crowd who maybe don't even know themselves yes. but together, you know, that's human dynamics. Mm. We just learn so much mm. from each other in our own growth trajectory. So t- tell me about high-performance coaching and because, I mean, when I, when I look at you, uh, I originally like was thinking, okay, Gomo Foundation, get it. High performance coach, wow, how does that fit in? <laughs> and you said something before that I thought was really cool about, you know, unifying purpose.
1: Yes. So, you know, what I exist for is that I exist to empower and enable people to live a wondrous life. You know, being able to discover my purpose was also another journey in itself. You know, when I started in business, I failed badly, nearly went bankrupt. Um, it was the rat race of, you know, make lots of money, just make it, work hard, make money. And it was very unfulfilling. Um, and there was no framework for decision making.
0: Are you talking about consul- uh, in your coaching business?
1: Yeah, it was yep. my. Consul- it was actually consulting. started off as a consulting okay. business. So you know, when I went out in business, the first mm-hmm. thing I did was create a consulting business, yep. and actually, I was negotiating deals on behalf of other companies, mm-hmm. um, and because I was good at that. Yep. And however, I really failed because I had no confidence in myself because it was a bigger game. Yeah. And I was like you know, people don't really want to work with me. They're just being nice and polite. Yeah. You know, why would anybody want to work with a black gay man, yeah. you know? And so I was very, Um, I felt completely alone, disempowered. And being a black man in Australia, it was like, I can't fail. I'm an ambassador for all black people. <laughs> I will not fail. Yeah. And so I never really got to share what I was really dealing with. So when mm. people asked me, are you Okay. Absolutely. What did mm. you get up to do? Mm. Oh, I went to this meeting and that meeting and that meeting. You felt like you had to be perfect all the time. All the time. There was mm. no room or space for any cracks or any failure. I can
0: relate to that in some ways. Mm. I, I think sometimes, um, as the only Jew in a room, yes. I feel a similar pressure. Maybe it's like less skin obvious, yeah. but you know, like or <laughs> yes. by look, yeah. But uh, it's the same. You know, you you feel
1: like sometimes you have the weight of your people or your ethnicity on your shoulders. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, inside of the conversations that we're even having today about, yeah. you know, Sudanese gangs mm. or uh, the yeah. refugees, and there's that context. And for myself, I was living in the stories of what Australian society were talking about, mm. but which were not my own stories. So I had no freedom to be me. Mm. And that me not being free to be me destroyed my business and my opportunities. Uh,
0: it's It's... it's- it's such a, I mean, it's it's an important growth journey. So I shouldn't say it's a shame, mm. but it sort of hurts in the heart a little it, bit. It hurts,
1: and yeah. I came back a million times stronger. Mm. That's why you know, just even talking to you, like well, you're popping out of your skin all the time. okay? <laughs> yes. you know, Rigara, you are like.
0: I've only known you for like an hour, but you are a very very dynamic <laughs> individual. Uh, you're
1: just bubbling with energy and enthusiasm. <laughs> if I could, if, if if this was a video, you'd see me dancing right now as I'm having talking to you. Look you right now, <laughs> but that's and the reason for that is mm. because. I know what it was like not being free. And when I say not being free, in my own, in prison of my own mind, Mm. not because of somebody else, but my own limiting beliefs Mm. and being able to be free and be myself now. It's like, I want the whole world to have that. Your self-expression and who you are is beautiful no matter what it is. And every human being has something beautiful to oh, offer
0: that's such a good note to jump into our humans a purpose plus segment a yes. deep dive so let's do that because you started talking about self and uh, there's a lot that we can uh talk about here so uh this is the segment where i talk to you about a couple of our deeper things and learn a little bit a bit more about your character your point of view and sort of how you live your life so i'll fire away and uh take your time and answering if you need
1: but i suspect yep. you won't need that let's discover <laughs> <laughs> let's find out so what is your morning and evening routine my morning routine so um my mornings are my own (laughs) so the so as i said i exist to empower and enable people to live a wondrous life so my entire life is typically spent with people so my mornings are mine and my i've created with my partner please you know um don't talk to me in the mornings i actually don't Borrow that if that's okay Yes <laughs> I, I love that Literally I'll wake up in the morning mm. I'll have my shower Dry myself off You know Have a leisurely breakfast mm. have, have my beautiful cup of tea Read um, um, And I learn and train myself So it's my time to nourish myself The mornings are mine And I'm unapologetic for that So about w- that.
0: when Is there like a certain cut off point At which your partner can start speaking to you or? Yes Yeah. <laughs> <say? laughs> I Just going to say Because it's like a it, what if like the toast is burning or
1: something, or, you know, <laughs> something comes up? So everything, so everything is actually scheduled. So I, I schedule in my entire year, yeah in advance. So everything is actually scheduled in my calendar. Ah, okay. And so, um, and I'm about to do my 2020 planning. So yep. when it is time for me to leave, then of course I'll spend my t- time with my partner, um, create our day together, yep. you know, give him a kiss yep. and then I leave. Yep. But before that, it's my time to nourish myself. And I had to clearly communicate that with my partner because it's not, you know, it can be really offensive. Yeah,
0: I can can understand it, though. I mean, I think it's great that you can be that comfortable to communicate it.
1: And he completely gets it. And my partner loves me so much. The moment I wake up, he wants to, you know, he watches me brush my teeth and spend time with me, you know, and it's really, really beautiful. And I say to him, that's really, really annoying. Cause when you're there, I can't, I can't even have my own thoughts because you're there. And <laughs> um, so we've created, he, he's amazing that he's created this space to allow me to nourish myself first thing in the morning. Because after the morning, then my job is to nourish everybody else. Absolutely. And what is the night? night-time wine-down look like? So the night-time dine, wine-dine, yeah. um, so when I get home, Brad, he loves cooking dinner, so we have dinner together, beautiful. and typically we have a glass of wine and we celebrate, and we just get to um appreciate our day. Mm. So I spend the time, so it's very intentional, and I get into his world, what was your day like, what did you break through, what are your breakdowns, and just really be present for him and him alone, and there's nothing that gets in the way of that. it's oh, beautiful. Yes. And you, do you go to bed early or late? Yeah. Or? Uh, depends some sometimes you know this this next this three months i've been going to bed really late Mm -hmm. so this is my busiest month of the year sure um but then i have routines for example on sundays is my time to nourish myself so i you could typically find me watching netflix on sundays Mm -hmm. and sleeping Mm to ensure that I also um, uh, recuperate from the weeks. Excellent.
0: So what's the best thing that you've added into your life or routine in the past six months, like something new that's kind of made a bit of a difference for you?
1: Wow, that's a a great question. So one of the things that I really – I love reading. I love learning. You know, I'm, I'm like you. I love, 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 love You're learning. You're a curiosity junkie. Correct, and so the thing that, you know, when, when you do live a life where you want to be of service of others, it's very easy um, that when anybody asks for something to just do things for them. So the, the two things that I've added in my life that make a difference. So spending time reading mm-hmm. and so expanding my life and then also spending time talking to my family. So I don't have any blood family in Australia. My mm-hmm. immediate family live in New York and South Africa. So in the mornings, you know, it's normal for me to video call my sister or, you know, this morning I talked to my brother in New York while he is walking his dog Chewy. So spending oh, time with my parents' my Parents' dogs called Chewy. Oh, there you that's go. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dog is it? I have no idea. Okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, am terrible with the dog types. <laughs> Sorry for cutting you off there. That's just very exciting. Yes. But that's important. <laughs> my family is important yeah. to me. And you know, for 18 years I've not been with them. So nourishing my, my relationship with my family who have given and allowed me to thrive and grow is critical for me.
0: That's beautiful. Um, do you have a book recommendation, one book that everyone should read? Oh, gosh,
1: there's so many
0: books. There's so many, but if you had to pick one and you only could pick one and your life sort of depended on it.
1: <laughs> your life I your can't
0: adventures. make it any more dramatic than that.
1: That's <laughs> a book where your life.
0: <sighs> a different way that this is often asked is if you could only gift one book to someone, what would it be?
1: So many because there's so many different contexts, Mike. Can, okay, why don't we? Can we? Can I? Can I? I'll, can I? will share the book. Sure, a book, but I'll create a context. Yeah, for it. sure, that's fine. Um, a book that I recently just love is called Extreme Ownership. Oh, excellent! That excellent choice. Is amazing. That's the Jocko Willink book. Yes, yep. what I love about it is that you get to live life on your terms. Like mm. you're responsible for everything that shows up around you, mm. and so there's no blame, fault inside of living life. So you get to be wholly responsible for life. And what I love about that is that, you know, when I live my life, it's really empowering that I get to be the author and the creator of my life. I get to be responsible to how I respond to things in life, not at the effect of things. Life is going to happen, you know. Sometimes you're going to have friends who may have cancer, but who are you going to be about that?
0: Mm. Who who are you going to show up as in that situation? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's not like life is not out to get you, but you you have a say on who you're going to be. That's very well said.
0: Is there a quote or, expir- or expression that you try to live by?
1: Um, <laughs> without integrity, nothing works. <laughs> That's great. So, is that your own? It is definitely not my own. Um, so there is a program called uh, a Landmark, yep. and there's an extraordinary, uh, the, the founder of Landmark, Werner Erhardt, created the technology of what it is to live a uh, a magical life as human beings and unleashing the human being potential and one of the tools that he created was the whole world of integrity living from agreements mm. and you know integrity is a foundation for really workability so for example you know Mike we came here 30 minutes early mm. so we were free to be
0: well I, I assumed you'd be 30 minutes late like everyone else so I, I was just <laughs> waltzing in my gym gear <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I should have known that you were extreme
1: ownership people and yes serious about being uh, on top yeah completely I was very impressed because you're you yeah. know you're you're important to us this is no small feat but you know without integrity nothing works not from the domain of morality because there's not from anything is wrong blame you know shame but really as an access to power to fulfill what really matters you know when we're up to stuff like many of the people listening here you want an access to fulfill on things in life but how can you fulfill on them if your foundation is shonky Mm. so you know why I know that I have some power in my life is because of the foundation of integrity that I continue building. And my axis is always looking for where I've broken my agreements. I don't cross red lights. If I cross red lights, how do you know that I'm not um, fudging the numbers as a board director on the Goma Foundation? Hmm. There's a direct correlation of who you're being in every area of your life. Yep. So I am in the practice of practicing without integrity nothing works. I love it.
0: So uh, last question, what is one thing people should do more and one thing people should do
1: less? One thing people should do more is um, nourishing themselves. That's definitely. I, I work with many clients and the thing that I find is that we're so busy trying to get somewhere, directionless, and then we don't actually nourish ourselves. And if we look at the world today, and particularly in the Western world, the number of incidences of mental health issues, mm. it's horrifying. Do you think a lot horrifying. of that is
0: because we don't nourish ourselves? It's Completely. definitely a key factor.
1: Completely. Like yeah. I'll have clients, you know, we have multi-million dollar businesses, and they'll tell me they're working 18-hour days, and when I really discover what they really want, it's like, I want to get spend time with my wife and my child, mm. and I don't know how to mm. actually create that. And so I come and interrupt that. And you know, sometimes the wives were like, thank you so much. If that had gone in for another year, I'd have divorced them. So it's like there isn't willing to really nourish ourselves and the things that are really important to us. Mm. We, st- we are in a world of, I need to do more to prove something. Yeah. For me, I don't live my life proving anything to anybody. Mm. So that's one of the things to do more nourishing mm-hmm. yourself to do less. Um, I think it's like the opposite. There's nothing to prove to anybody. Don't, don't get caught up in trying to prove anything to anybody. Really. That's where we get so disempowered in living life. You know, I need to be this person to, to, to make my mom and my dad happy. I need to be this person if I'm going to need to make a hundred thousand dollars or, you know, a million dollar, million dollar business. So I think trying, living in the world of trying to be something you're not is something we should really stop doing. <laughs> wonderful answer so
0: i want to jump back to talking about the gomo foundation um what it does its
1: purpose its journey tell me everything great so as you know i mentioned in this conversation is that i got an opportunity to have an education and actually create a life that i would never have ever dreamed and imagined of and so for myself it's like why should i be the only one to get this opportunity what would the world be like if we're able to provide opportunities to many other people? And so, um, uh, six years ago, I created the Gomo Foundation and Gomo means mountain in my local language. And, you know, the acronym is giving others more opportunities. Um, and our, our vision is providing opportunities to girls in Africa so that they get an education that they would not otherwise have had so that they can live their full potential. That's what goma exists for. And we focus on girls because in many African countries, girls are the ones who don't get the opportunity to get an education. And what we do know mm. is educating girls educates, transforms communities. Yes. And
0: I think I have heard that um, the difference between funding your girls education and a guys that a, a girl will go out and, provide for herself her family and the community and the friends and the the ripple effect will be much stronger than if you fund a male who might have already you know been doing that kind of education work themselves and when men get money they tend to spend it on themselves yeah, yes
1: and that's- their <laughs> vices we, we can <laughs> and, all see and that. all three of us have vices <laughs> yeah, absolutely absolutely <laughs> you know and you know just to share a story um one of the uh, the girls we sponsor cecilia extraordinary and you know i was in my late 20s and i was approached by cross investment a subsidiary Of the Red Cross in Zimbabwe, and they'd shared the story of Cecilia. and She had the top marks in Zimbabwe, like 99.99, as you have it here in Australia. Um, And she was literally living on food handouts on a farm and had a place at the University of Zimbabwe, but couldn't afford to go Mm. to to university. And when they asked me if we could sponsor her, I was like, my my head was like, I have no money. (laughs) And I said, absolutely <laughs> I've got, i came come back to australia and share her story and two people supported her for her entire education mm. now this is what she says she says thank you so much i used to think that i was inferior now i know that i'm not inferior and i can tell and share with other girls in my my situation in my position that they too can make it they too can have a life
0: This is like um, magnetic, incredible stuff that you're doing. Um, Do you think your passion will ever shift to another area? Because it sort of seems like this this flame burns very bright in you.
1: Yes. It's something, you know, I I use my life for this. You know, my sister's the first female in my entire family to go to university. She's got three degrees working at Deloitte & Touche in Johannesburg. You know, my my mom was denied. A, she didn't get the opportunity to go to university. And my grandmother was denied an opportunity to get an education. And my grandmother thought, everybody thought she was bewitched because she had polio. And if she, and when people talk about my my grandmother, they say that if only she had an education, she would have been a mm. communicator. Mm. And that's the conversation that's there when you really listen in communities around the world. They're like, if only. I'm... I'm not an if only. It's like we're making this happen. Yeah.
0: And so, I mean, look, any doubt that I might have had before that you might change tack is now gone. I understand (laughs) understand the motivations and the story and and, and the power of that conviction in you. So that's a very beautiful thing. Mm. I'm curious how you divide your day up because you've got, you're a high performance coach. So I'd love to hear a bit about that. Yes. But then also running the foundation, like how do you cram all of
1: that into one day? (laughs) So I'm scheduling. So lots of team. So I don't do anything alone. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier on in this in this podcast, is that I'm not. I don't do. I'm self made. I have huge communities backing me in everything. Like even right now, Damien, my right hand person, is here with us. Say hi, Damien. I love that you
0: brought Damien. I think it's it's so good. Say hi,
1: Damien. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that's thank all you, we. Thank you for, get for having, having me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do anything alone. You're the
0: first person to bring like a staff member to the podcast. I, saw, yes. I thought it was awesome. So, actually, one time someone brought their son, and the, the son was like wanted to learn about podcasting, and that was really cool. But you're the first person to like. I thought it was really special. Actually, that you brought somebody because you obviously wanted to share and teach, and you know that's what you're all about. Yes,
1: so. and that's my entire life just to share today so today you know I woke up this morning I had I call with my committed listener so I too have a committed listener Mm. because I'm human so Mm. the things that when I'm dealing with somebody something they are the person who listens to me bigger than I listen to myself Mm. so that's how I start my Monday mornings and then um, I'm in Collingwood today with a meeting with one girl one Girl is an extraordinary not-for-profit oh, as yeah. well. Sarah
0: was on the podcast
1: a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, I was yeah. at Sarah Island yeah. today, this she's a, morning. She's an alumni. Uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's extraordinary. And oh, we yeah. love One Girl. We Do just collaborate. Love the work. Um, we're in that conversation right now. Terrific. It's, so for us, partnerships and community are important. And I brought my CEO, Joe McConnell, along for mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. you know. And then after that, I was with my client, Um a major company and we're creating, reinventing the company. So this afternoon, then we're looking at their strategic roadmap, you know, for the next five years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then today I'm here. So and I see,
0: you know, I also follow you on LinkedIn and say that you do some more, awesome, you do like a fair bit of speaking and yes. you're, you're out at events. And I mean, it, it looks like just a terrific portfolio life.
1: It is a portfolio life. I'm <laughs> discovering this whole uh, thing called portfolio life. but And I work hard.
0: I think it just means you do a
1: lot of different things really yes. well. <laughs> yes. But I do it with team. Yep. So in, behind every part, there's a team. Yeah. So I'm about to launch my Global Leaders Roundtable for my clients on Wednesday. And Carol Jabu, who is my... Right-hand lady for that is the one, you know, she has a, a, a daughter, a young daughter. And, you know, when when she had a child, she was. it's hard to get a job being a mother. And I was like, not on my watch. We're <laughs> going to make it work and you're going to have everything. And she's the leader in that domain. So everything that you may see there's already a whole group of people who are connected to my vision and my values as well. So I like the the use of wondrous in your purpose statement. I think that's excellent. Yes. And so for her, that's important. Mm. So Julia, you know, she's a year old and she gets to be on our calls. And sometimes I might work at 8 p.m. to make it all work. So we work hard inside of our vision and put things in place because people are counting on us to be our word. I don't have the luxury of not being my word. If I'm not my word, a girl doesn't go to school. Hmm. And the consequences, these are the consequences. They may get into early, ma- early marriage. They may have HIV. Yeah. They may have malnutrition. Isn't it potentially forced marriages a, a, a lot of the time too? Yeah. yeah. That's very possible. Yeah. And so because of what we're up to, we're connected to what we're up to matters. There's no leeway to say, no, I'm not going to rock up today. Me being here, I'm the voice for all those girls in Zimbabwe. That's amazing. You know, so, so this is not a personal conversation about Rugare. I'm representing a whole group of people right now.
0: And that's really powerful. That's authentic and mm.
1: very real. How Tell me, Rugare, uh, how can people connect with you and learn more about your work? So to connect with me, um, you can connect to me via my website at, you know, www don't even know what my website is <laughs> 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 or also through the Goma Foundation mm-hmm. so the the multiple ways to connect with me the Goma Foundation you can connect with me that way um, or through my personal website as well and you're on LinkedIn as well I'm on LinkedIn and also mm-hmm. at Facebook so the, the the ways you can connect with me are LinkedIn, Facebook, Insta and of course through my website terrific well yes. thank you so much for coming on today And you're welcome it's been awesome having you and Damien thank you so much for having us pleasure <laughs> thank thanks you. for the privilege pleasure If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit
0: the subscribe button in your podcast player or the link in today's episode notes. Why not share the podcast with your networks? After all, 62% of our subscribers come from word of mouth recommendations and social shares. You could also leave us a five-star review and some kind words in the iTunes store. If you love what we do each week and want to support the show, you should join our growing community of Patreon supporters or consider becoming a show sponsor. To learn more about all of that,
1: just head to humansofpurpose.com.